this theme was taking refuge and what is meant by taking refuge. And since then, it feels like this uh, understanding of refuge is needed more than ever because, as many of you named in the beginning, the radical uncertainty that's so much so in our faces at the moment. I mean, in some ways it's always there, but there's a, a veneer of stability and certainty and so on, but a lot of that's been stripped away at the moment. So the truth of impermanence of change is very much heightened. And as I said in our meeting last time, pretty much all of the Buddha's teachings are intended to address this existential uncertainty. So over and over, he encouraged us to really cultivate our inner resources because those are more reliable than anything that we can do externally. So that just as we we're doing just then, orienting towards kindness, towards compassion, towards care, and the benefit is that that can then become a resource for others too. And so for myself, I've been thinking of this current COVID situation, coronavirus, um, on my latest blog, I was thinking about it in terms of coronavirus. So allowing the compassion to be contagious rather than the agitation and the anxiety. Because we all know the phenomenon of social contagion as I think Margie was saying, just that watching the news and hearing everyone's agitation and it spreads. But in the same way, skillful qualities can spread too. So the more we can keep releasing the stress, the distress, the anxiety, and cultivating the skillful qualities, the more that becomes potentially an offering for others too. So I've been thinking of coronavirus or coronavirus is a, a kind of a wake-up call. So in the Buddha's teachings, he spoke of the heavenly messengers. And before the Buddha became the Buddha, he was living a life of luxury as a prince. And his father had tried to shelter him from everything about life that was distressing. So for until he was relatively a young adult, I guess, it was only then that he started to explore and came into contact with a sick person, a very elderly person, a corpse, and a contemplative, those four. And those four are known as the heavenly messengers. Now, obviously, they don't sound that heavenly, apart from perhaps the contemplative. But the idea is that these were a wake-up call when the Buddha saw the truth of what is going to happen to this vulnerable human body, it was the catalyst that really propelled him into his search for something more meaningful. So the fourth one, the renunciate or the contemplative stands for all of the people who are trying to train their hearts and minds to prepare themselves to meet life's challenges with wisdom and compassion. So that includes all of us. And so I think of this coronavirus as being a kind of a wake-up call. You know, this is why we practice. This is why we do this work, so that when these challenging times confront us, we have some capacity to meet them with ease, grace, 
kindness rather than what happens for most people is defaulting into their core habits of greed, hatred, or delusion. So I was sharing with people when I worked as retreat support at IMS, I saw this tendency for people to fall into their default patterns in crisis very clearly, you know, just on a very simple level. And even for meditators. So in, uh, sometimes, occasionally, somebody would say, pass out, faint in the meditation hall. And so there'd be a little bit of drama around that. And I would notice people would fall into pretty clear responses. So the traditional greed type, if somebody passed out, the greed types would all rush up to the person and they'd be really excited and caught up in the drama and you know trying to talk to them and getting all involved. And then the aversive types would be quietly slinking out the back door because they didn't like it. And then the deluded types would just stay there with their eyes closed, hearing sirens and wondering to themselves, what, what's going on? Why is there all this noise? So even with meditators, we could see how people, when something is going on, we, unless we really bring awareness to it, we tend to default into our core responses. So pretty gross level, we see the toilet paper fighting and the extremes of anxiety and the denial and so on. But for us, we can use this opportunity to really look more carefully and bring wisdom to the situation to really understand the truth of impermanence, the truth of change instead of our usual habit of denying it. So sometimes it can be helpful to take the bigger picture and rather than getting caught up in the hour by hour reports, really look in a way at the broader perspective. Because periods of great challenge often also bring great benefits. We might not be able to see them right now so clearly. But even if you think back over the experience of your own life, if you think of some of the most intense challenges that you had to go through, well, one, obviously you came through them or you wouldn't be here. So you do have some capacity. But with hindsight, you might also now see some of the benefits that came from whatever that challenge was at that time. So somewhere a few years ago, I read that the Chinese character for the word that means crisis literally translates as dangerous opportunity. And I like that idea of dangerous opportunity because when we're in crisis, we tend to focus on the danger side and not so much recognize the opportunity that this challenge offers us, a precious opportunity to strengthen our inner resources, which generally that doesn't happen to quite the same degree when things are going well. You know, it's just human nature that we tend to coast a little, we tend to relax, we can easily get complacent. But something like this, it really is a wake up call. So I was sharing with um, some of you, I was just teaching what should have been a one month retreat in the Netherlands for, it was 46 of us from 12 different countries. 
and we went in just as the coronavirus was starting to ramp up. And so we were following the news day by day, hour by hour. And finally, we realized we were going to have to end the retreat a week early before international borders and flights stopped completely. So we had to do that. And even in the town around us, the town around us went into lockdown then too. And overnight, all of the businesses closed, all of the schools closed, all of the cafes, all of the restaurants, just boom, gone. And, you know, I would see people walking around the first day with pretty stunned looks on their faces, not surprising. But it really hit me being on retreat. This is why we're doing this. This is why we practice. This is the point of all of those hours of meditation, of going on retreat, of studying the teachings, discussing them with Dharma friends, trying to put them into practice in daily life, so that when these challenges come, we can navigate them with some degree of steadiness and kindness. And I said some degree because this is a training. Wisdom is a training. Compassion is a training. It's not about being perfect. Of course, it's natural, normal to feel daunted, burdened, and to not put on ourselves any further expectation that we should be able to just listen to the news and not feel even a ripple of anxiety or distress. So this training in wisdom is not about denying our natural human responsiveness. That would not be true wisdom because the wisdom is always supported by compassion. And that means being able to stay present with those human responses. So perhaps meeting anxiety or powerlessness or despair or depression or grief or anger or numbness, doing our best to meet those with kindness. And it's also not about being passive in the face of our own or other suffering. So we also want to be able to take action when needed. This is the other aspect of compassion is a wish to relieve suffering. So there are so many opportunities, even in lockdown, we have the good fortune of technology that we can make contact with a friend. We might be able to help a neighbor. As somebody said now, there's suddenly all of these online meditation resources available. We can still go out for a walk or a run. We can volunteer in our communities in a safe way. And connecting with others is one of the single most powerful things we can do. You know, there's so much neuroscience research that points to the benefits of altruism for our mental health. But we don't need neuroscience. I think every one of us here knows the truth of that, that when we take action, others even the smallest action that helps us to feel less powerless and again it uh, brings in the social contagion of kindness of compassion so to keep looking on the bright side and to see you know all of those truisms about every cloud having a silver lining at times we might need to really consciously orient to what are the benefits what are what are what good is coming from this situation, even already? And we can see, you know, the environment 
just the sudden slowing down of human freneticism is massively reducing pollution. It's reducing consumption of resources. And it's possible that this whole situation can be a reset for humanity and hopefully change the course of our development to be uh, to move in a less destructive way. So I shared a, a piece of writing on my blog post the other day from a German futurist. I didn't know that there were such beings as futurists, but apparently this person, uh, Matthias Hawkes, is a futurist. And he talked about what it's like to um, that this massive loss of control can suddenly turn into uh, intoxication of the positive. So I'll just read you a little bit of what he wrote because I found it quite inspiring. He says, after a period of bewilderment and fear, an inner strength arises. The world ends, in quotation marks, but with the experience that we are still here and a kind of new being arises from inside us. In the middle of civilization's shutdown, we run through forests or parks or across almost empty spaces. This is not an apocalypse, but a new beginning. This is how it turns out. Change begins as a changed pattern of expectations. Sometimes it is precisely the break with routines and the familiar that releases our sense of the future again. The idea that everything will be completely different and even better. Every deep crisis leaves a story, a narrative that points into the future. One of the strongest images left by the coronavirus are of the Italians making music on their balconies. The second image was sent to us by satellite, images that suddenly showed the industrial areas of China and Italy free of smog. In 2020, human carbon dioxide emissions will drop for the first time. That very fact will do something to us. If the virus can do that, then can we possibly do it? Maybe the virus was just a messenger from the future. The drastic message is human civilization has become too dense, too fast and overheated. It is racing too fast in a direction in which there is no future, but it can reinvent itself. System reset, cool down, music on the balconies. This is how the future works. So just a few thoughts. Uh, just wanted to take time now to hear from you any reflections, any questions or comments, and anything you'd like to share about how you're navigating the day two of the lockdown. Thanks for listening. <laughs>